Welcome back to Around the World in SDGs, a podcast series by the Intercouncil Network that explores the sustainable development goals for those on the ground. I'm your host, Fahima Gabrell. Menstrual health is a public health, gender equality, and human rights issue, according to the United Nations. Promoting menstrual equity and addressing period poverty is key to supporting women and young girls and is necessary in achieving many of the sustainable development goals. We discussed this issue further with our first guest, Lisa Hertz, founder of Women's Global Health Innovations, a social enterprise that was developed to address the lack of sustainable, accessible products available to those experiencing period poverty in the most vulnerable communities and expand menstrual health education in collaboration with health advocates and educators. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Fahima. And thank you for this opportunity. And yes, um, I am Lisa Hertz, the founder of Women's Global Health Innovations and the developer of the innovative Bee Free Menstrual Cup. 1.8 billion girls and women around the world are in their reproductive years, meaning that there is a need every month for products to assist with menstrual periods. The majority of these are in, live in extreme poverty, therefore struggle to manage their menstruation safely, affordably, easily, and with dignity. The motivation behind the development of the Beef Cup were the stigmas, taboos, access to reusable inert menstrual products needed to, be, needed to be challenged. The narrative around menstruation had to change. It had to be opened and normalized. Dignity is a human right. The inability to manage a healthy, natural, normal, biological function that affects 50% of the population is an indignity of unacceptable proportion. As the founder of Women's Global Health Innovations, your organization seeks to address period poverty through education and access to affordable, reusable feminine hygiene products. What were the drivers in creating an intervention to address this issue, particularly for those in vulnerable communities? Huh, great, great, great question. As the founder, I mean, it was looking at even girls here in Canada suffering with period poverty girls here in Canada suffering with chafing from menstrual cups. Around the world, there's period poverty. It's not just in the global south. It's also here in the global north. It's just something that isn't talked about. The taboos and the stigmas around menstruation really are barriers to, you know, barriers that, that really speak to the, the misunderstanding of what menstruation actually is. It's a normal, healthy, biological, reproductive process that the body goes through, you know, if a woman is healthy, young girl is healthy and a woman is healthy, we'll experience for some 45 years. So something that's normal and biological when it's preventing women from participating in society to the fullest degree that they can, you know, starting as an adolescent, we see girls kind of being free young children that are playing with all these freedoms. And then once they start menstruation, there's a whole new set of rules that this girl must, must, must live by. And these are very restrictive. So for me, it was like, okay, we have to change the narrative around menstrual hygiene. We have to change the narrative around sexual and reproductive health because it's women for the most part that are suffering the negative consequences from this misunderstanding, from the lack of dignified products, from, you know, from not being able to go to school because you, know, because you don't have the products uh, menstrual pads or tampons or, you know, a menstrual cup in our case to help you manage to go to school safely and securely and with dignity. So this was the motivation behind, you know, developing new products and really challenging 
the, the what what seems to be normative now has to you know go through a, a whole um, evolution towards normalization. Um, you mentioned normalization. There is still a big stigma around menstruation. So addressing period poverty isn't just about addressing access to feminine hygiene products, but also coupling that with education so that it has more of a holistic approach to addressing the issue. Why did you feel that marrying the two was important in achieving your overall goal and objectives? Right. So absolutely, knowledge is you know, knowledge is king. You know, if you don't have the knowledge, many girls are starting their periods these days in many countries around the world without knowing what's happening. You know, girls are going through puberty, boys are going through puberty, and they're having going through these bodily changes and these, these psychological changes, more physical than, you know, psychologically, emotionally, they're going through this turbulent time. And without the knowledge to know what's happening, it can be terrifying. So along with the products, we also innovate in regard to how we are going to be delivering the knowledge. And for the most part, we're delivering it to youth, to adolescents, to both boys and girls. And to do that, we do that in a fun edutainment way that, you know, you should be meeting adolescents where they are. And that actually helps to bring out their voice, bring out their concerns, helps them to formulate their questions without us assuming that we know what questions they're going to ask. So knowledge, like, you know, and then once you get that little bit of knowledge, you build on that knowledge and your questions become even more. And then you start going outside, the, you know, the adolescents go outside of the, what we are delivering to them, but they go out to youth friendly uh, centers and they build on that for what we see and are measuring for healthier outcomes and uh, more confidence and, um, and feeling empowered. That's great. That's great. I wanted to move on to the concept of normalizing menstruation. So in your the education that is given, it isn't primarily just done given to girls, but also includes boys as well. Why do you see it necessary to include boys in the education and dialogue around menstruation? And what impact does it have around breaking the stigma around this very natural process? Excellent question, because that was something that, you know, at the beginning, it's just like, what hurdles are we going to be uh, climbing or facing in regard to bringing the boys into the dialogue? You know, they are the other 50% of the population. They too don't have the knowledge. So when you, you empower them with the knowledge as well, it's amazing how the conversation changes. It goes from the mocking of you know uh, a girl who might have some period stains on the back of her school uniform to helping her you know young boys handing his handing their sweater to the young girl to tie around her waist to make sure that she isn't you know to provide her with that dignity and respect and 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 it was again you know it's something that you know i know over the last 10 years it's been something that's been building up in regard to include the boys because they are going through changes as well. They also are quite interested in learning about the menstrual cycle, you know, what their sisters are going through or their mothers are going through and the challenges that they're having. And they're becoming much more sympathetic to what it actually means. And 
it also means to them who many of them saying, you know, I plan to get married. I plan to have children. I want to, you know, if I have a daughter, I want to know what she's going through and I want to be able to support her. So it's quite remarkable in regard to when you do deliver the, the knowledge in a fun way and in an open way and you make these conversations transparent and you also challenge with the myths and the taboos and what the damage and danger that's the stigmas can inflict on the female population, the boys start to see what, you know, the challenges is that the girls have, you know, having to get to the pit latrine, if they don't have hand washing, if they don't have access to pads and they're reusing reusable pads, they're washing their, sorry, they're washing their commercial pads, which were meant to be only used once, but they're washing them and using them again and getting infections and missing school. The boys are quite observant. You know, they are part of their community. And when they see their sisters and their friends suffering from infections and missing school, we, we think that it doesn't, you know, but that's an assumption on art when it's a wrong assumption because the boys do want to help and participate. It, they are, you know, they are members of their community. And um, yeah, so integrating the boys and making the boys, bringing the boys in as opposed to keeping them ignorant is just not the way to, uh, not the way to approach. Um, sexual reproductive health. So learning from the female perspective and the male perspective has been has been very successful for us. As you said, boys are part of the community and an issue that impacts those within their community could not be something that could be easily ignored and needs to be addressed. Um, I wanted to move on to learning a little bit more about your current project in Uganda, funded by the Fund for Innovation Transformation. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, much appreciation to, to FIT and, and Global Affairs Canada for the support and this test project that is now ongoing in Uganda. Um, the project is designed to aid in the sustainable delivery of the Be Free Cup to the most marginalized, many of which are refugees living in host communities in Northern Uganda. Our test project aims to allow for the sale of bee free cups, training on their use, provision and user support, training, provision of user support, and but also to ensure community ownership through the training of the community members to sell the product and then earn a livelihood. Um, community ownership and relationship building is really necessary for acceptance and promotion of the product or any product for that matter. Um, without the community fully owning the solution that menstrual health and hygiene management has long been a problem, we would face barriers to acceptance. Uh, cultural leaders, religious leaders, district government representatives were introduced to the product and the positive impact it can have for the girls and women in their district and their communities. The economic challenges girls and women face to purchase disposable and then dispose, and then dispose of them um, that being commercial pads uh, is experienced by all pit latrines, you know, open pit latrines cannot handle the bulk of these commercial pads. They fill up prematurely causing them to dysfunction. There aren't enough bathrooms as, as, as <laughs> now, you know, already, but then when you start having them malfunction due to the bulk of, of commercial menstrual pads, you have to bring in very heavy, expensive equipment to drain these. And I can tell you that it's one of the main issues for this machinery to break down. So it's a huge community. So then the, the, toy, the latrines are not available to anybody. 
um, these are really costly problems where solutions were, were being sought. So the Be Free Cup provides equitable, affordable solution without the impact on water supplies and other product options like reusable menstrual pads. And this work wasn't done in a silo outside of the community and without its engagement. You actually engaged heavily with community leaders. Why was that important in achieving your objectives as well as the process of implementation? To have the support of the community leaders is of course absolutely vital. Culturally, it would not have been acceptable not to first go to the district health officer, district education officer, to the cultural leaders, to the religious leaders, approaching any community through its leaders and getting permission from them. It, the structure of those communities are very much so that the, the, um, that the people living in the community look up to those leaders as, as the guides, as their, you know, what is okay, what is not okay. So when the community leaders are on board and actually promoting this, this project, um, it's absolutely necessary because, you know, if the community leaders were not on board then and didn't understand what the project was for, but they very much do. They see the girls and women struggling. They see them missing school. The leaders do see this as, as a potential solution. And it also shows the intersectionalities faced by women experiencing period poverty, that it's not just about providing products and education to resolve this issue, but there are other societal issues as well that impact them. Absolutely not. Right. Very, very correct in that. You know, we decided to go upstream and get girls a little bit earlier, just before they start their periods, then with knowledge and education and training and support and providing them, you know, the provision of dignified products, high quality products, then, you know, it's not a silver bullet in any sense, but at least with it's in they're informed and they're informed of their own personal agency, you know, that they do have decision-making powers in regard to their own body. Um, and that is something that very easily and quickly seems to get stripped from them by the time they reach puberty or if there's a thought that or when they start menstruating that she is now ready to be married and have children, which is so not the case. Now we're included in our education programming that starting menstruation is not when a young girl is ready to, she's getting ready, her body is getting ready to, she should have a period for the next, you know, five or six years before her body or pelvis, you know, her physical growth is able to healthily uh, carry, carry an infant to full term. Um, you know, the incidence of maternal and child mor mortality is as high as it is, but for the most part, it's because of these young teenagers. And that's something that should be indicating to most that teenage pregnancy is not healthy for both the baby and the mother. And I wanted to kind of understand your, the importance of your approach in training local women on the particular product so that they can eventually sell it within their community, as well as the education to administer themselves. Why was that important and what impact has it had or would it have on the sustainability and longevity of the, um, of the issue that you're trying to address? 
Yes, no, the hope is absolutely. So we have this 15 month test pilot and we are actually next week going back in to do our first follow-up with those that have been initially trained in menstrual hygiene management and financial literacy. Um, it's an, in an entrepreneurial program. So we're sort of building up and building up. So by December of next year, we'll see whether it has had a positive impact both on the users of the Be Free Cup, but, but in particular, those that are selling the cup. Is this a prod, is this a, um, a method that we can use and that we can rely on, that we can build on and, and scale throughout, uh, throughout Uganda? Um, so that is our goal that at, at, you know, once we get to, you know, December of next year, when we're able to look at the full scope of, of data that have been collected, that we're seeing whether it was successful, did we reach our goals? Was there an increase in, in livelihood? Was there an improvement in the health outcomes of girls and women? Were girls and women receptive to purchasing these products? So, um, then we would like to, you know, there's definitely, you know, a, a great need throughout the country. And we do get requests uh, elsewhere to bring the product, uh, you know, to the Southwest, to the East. To the, and that's something that, uh, that we definitely plan to do. We're already getting really very positive feedback um, from users and, uh, and the need is so great that you know it, it speaks in itself in regard to you know an innovative product like the beef free cup which is so easy to use and so affordable over time as opposed to it's in your hand it's in you know it's in the tin it's right there you know and um and much easier than uh, in in so many in so many aspects much easier than than reusable pads or disposable pads we're talking about the sustainable development goals um what do you hope to see governments or organizations yes or international partners do in removing stigmatization of menstruation and addressing period poverty so vital for the for the achievement of, of the sustainable development goals throughout you know i look at sdg number five global gender equality and without global gender equality, I look at all of the other, you know, the, the, the full 17 SDGs and I think it's so vital, like that one is so important. You know, I look at number SDG number one, like end poverty and who's, who, who, who are the, who's, who experiences poverty? Poverty is sexist, it's mostly women. So, you know, without gender equality, number one cannot be attained. You know, quality education, who is missing out on education more so? Girls, of course. So all of these, when you're looking at each of these SDGs and you're thinking it's so vital that global gender equality is so obvious and it is a focus for us, um, SDG five. And, you know, I firmly believe, you know, that the achievement of the sustainable development goals um, gender equality will only happen when the narrative around menstrual hygiene, health and hygiene changes um, to one that is open, transparent, supported by governments, districts and communities globally. And girls and women are able to manage their periods with dignity when half the population is concealing the fact that they menstruate and the majority cannot access healthy, safe, quality menstrual products, gender equality will not be attained. Uh, the importance of addressing sexual and reproductive health, including menstruation, is vital to the achievement of the, 
SDG 5. And what are your future plans for your organization, particularly in addressing this issue? Oh, I have big goals, big plans. <laughs> you know, we are expanding. We have programs in Kenya right now, as well as in Colombia, um, in, in Central and South America. It is about engaging and advocating for youth. They are, they are the future, they, and the future is now. You know, it's not waiting, it's not, it's just really giving them the power and the voice to be at the table, to have access to the knowledge, to have access to the products, to be fully informed. And that should be a right that they are fully informed so that they know what, you know, what is available to them, what they can access. You know, if something's not healthy for them, they should, you know, then there's a choice if, and for Women's Global Health Innovations, we are continuing to innovate. We are looking at other types of products to help uh, with barrier contraception, um, to help improve and reduce the, the incidence of HIV, um, AIDS in, in particular in adolescent girls. Um, listening to the adolescent girls, the users, we're very much user-centered in design. So there are so many challenges out there. It's, it's sort of choosing what challenges do we do we, uh, in a sense, tackle, but we're building our team, you know? And as you know, social impact is a big part of why we, it is why we exist. Um, and there's impact to be made here in Canada. There's impact to be made in the United States. I can tell you that almost on a daily basis, we get messages from young girls and young women who cannot afford a B-free cup. And we get into conversations with them and, you know, and then other health issues that they had nobody else to talk to. And, you know, we're not professionals in regard to health professionals in that regard that we can, but we try to advise them or direct them to. Um, so we are growing. We do want to, you know, we, we have a responsibility that the information that we're delivering and the, the act, actions that we are delivering um, do no harm and always continuing to partner on the ground with, with NGOs or government officials within those countries so that we, we ensure that the communities are finding their own solutions, working with us, but bringing their own solutions into those communities. And, uh, and it's really an honor to do so. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us today to discuss this issue, this very important issue. So that's it for this week, but be sure to catch us for more great stories from those on the ground addressing the Sustainable Development Goals. I'm your host, Fahima Gabriel, and you've been listening to Around the World and SDGs, a podcast by the Intercouncil Network and a project made possible with the financial support of the Government of Canada.